Hello, this is Brad Schwartz, professor and chairman of Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. On behalf of Richard Wolf Medical, the Endourological Society, and the Journal of Endourology, I would like to welcome you to the latest release in our podcast series. Each month, we will be presenting a current events topic of interest to our listeners. Hello, and welcome to uh, this podcast edition of uh, Endo Society and, and uh, Wolf uh, Medical. Today, I'm happy to introduce Dr. Brian Lane. He is the director of the Michigan Urological Surgery Improvement Collaborative, or the MUSIC Kidney Program. And he's also the professor uh, of urology at Michigan State University. His expertise and in international recognition in the area of robotic kidney surgery and his leadership in the MUSIC Collaborative really is uh, very noteworthy. Honored to have him here as a guest today. And Brian, welcome. And, and again, thank you very much for taking your time to do this. Glad to be here, Brad. Glad to have a discussion. I, I think the first topic I want to go over with partial nephrectomy, Brian, is there's been a, a little recent data, maybe some suggestions that warm ischemia may be less important than the amount of parenchyma removed. We've always used this 30-minute target as our goal, but it seems like if we can spend a little longer to get negative margins and remove less kidney, it might be better. Maybe you can expand on, on that a little bit. Yeah, we, we certainly were a part of the literature and the discussion 10 or so years ago, or maybe more at this point, about the priority of ischemia time. And I think that skewed surgeon behavior may be in a wrong direction. I think that many of us operating felt this time crunch and felt that we were under the gun. And so getting a resection done quickly seemed to be the priority more than having it done precisely. And I think the, the data and the literature by now really indicate that that probably was not the right approach. Clamping the kidney does cause ischemia. There are acute impacts of that, but blood loss during the resection also causes hypertension potentially. And uh, acute kidney injury as well. So that's one concern. But really in the long term, preserving as much viable, healthy parenchyma is what really matters. I try to explain to my patients always, you know, if you have one and three quarters of a kidney, that's better than having one remaining. And that's why we prioritize partial nephrectomy over radical nephrectomy. But again, if, if you can leave the patient with 80 or 90% of their kidney versus 70 or 60%, then, then that's really going to impact their long-term renal function. So on the heels of that discussion, what are your thoughts on off-clamp and on-clamp? Are, are there tumors that you would definitely just do off-clamp? And are there some that you would just absolutely clamp other than, I mean, obviously there's some obvious ones, you know, a very central hyalur tumor that receives a lot of blood supply, et cetera. But what, what are your thoughts on off versus on-clamp for partial nephrectomy? I think that the the studies that are out there have not shown real significant benefit to off-clamp partial nephrectomy versus on-clamp. And I think the reasons go back to the, what we just discussed, which is off-clamp, sometimes your visibility is not as good. There's more bleeding. And so you can't have as precise a resection. There's also the potential for more bleeding. And so there could be hypotension and acute kidney injury. And so with those two factors playing a role, those might offset the benefit of a zero-minute ischemia versus a 10 to 20-minute or even 30-minute ischemia. What I try to do is get my mind not as focused on speed during the resection, but really on precision and 
the some of the, the tricks that I like to do are to have the hilum set up so I can clamp, uh, but then do as much as I can off clamp. So instead of a few dots of cautery to suggest where I'm gonna resect, I tend to try to get that entire first cut done uh, and get my entire plane set up. If a tumor is deep and along a vessel, I like to try to dissect along the hilum and along those vessels and go inside out versus outside into the tumor. Again, to try to do as much of the resection as I can before I even clamp. Is that necessary? Probably not. Uh, in my hands, most of the time, I'm less than 20 minutes and usually less than 15 minutes for my resection and, and renorophy. But again, I think those are some some of the steps to try to get those down. Do you change your mind or have a different thought process for solitary kidneys? Are you more apt to do a lot more off clamp with a solitary kidney? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think the reason the literature doesn't show a lot of benefit to off clamp versus on clamp uh, in general is because they're small tumors in a bi bilateral kidney situation. And so the renal functional changes, you know, if you go from a GFR from 100 to 90 versus 100 to 95, you're really not accomplishing anything for the patient. It's a patient with a solitary kidney or significant CKD prior to surgery that you want to be more cautious of. And, and those for sure are the patients uh, that I would be meticulous about the uh, early off clamping and more setup uh, prior to clamping to try to keep the, the ischemia down. But again, more importantly, to be precise with the resection. I really don't like seeing a you know, a huge amount of uh, normal parenchyma over my tumor resection. And again, taking that one step further, you know, enucleation has certainly uh, found its place for those who agree or disagree. What side of the argument are you on for like true enucleation where you get right on the plane of a, maybe a complex cyst or, or some really thickened capsule that is fairly obvious? Uh, is it something that you, uh, like to do or you steer away from? I think uh, you've mentioned, you know, one of the really good scenarios. So complex cysts, which are frequently benign, and even if they're malignant, maybe a lower risk uh, situation, not advocating this for, for all cystic masses because Bosniac fours with large solid components can be concerning as well. And sometimes uh, we can be fooled on imaging that a cyst is actually a necrotic tumor. But if you're really resecting a complex cyst, staying close is a good idea. Uh, and then for familial cancers, when they're known and not known to be one of the aggressive familial subtypes, I think enucleation are really good. But for the average tumor and situation, I don't perform enucleation. I do think the literature is very odd, you know, to have positive surgical margins rate lower for enucleation than a nuclear resection suggests that it has a lot to do of the communication between the uh, surgeon and the pathologist and the expectations of the pathology team. Because with a nucleation, you're right on the capsule for like 100% of the tumor. Many pathologists would call that a positive margin everywhere. And so uh, a nuclear resection, you have some parenchyma over the tumor in many places. And then there's a, some areas where you've enucleated. It always makes me wonder whether it's just a technical thing. And so when we cut into the tumor and then recorrect that that's not being communicated or inked well by the pathologist. Uh, and so I think having a good relationship with pathology is important. But in terms of technique, I advocate for a you know, minimal margin of resection throughout 
some spots you have to enucleate if it's right on a vessel, but I, I, I don't favor total enucleation. So it's a great point. Uh, I, I actually bring my tumors down to the pathologist and just get a gross uh, for uh, margin. And if I have to do, you know, if I redirect my incision, like you mentioned, uh, I try to let them know and we can kind of bring that flap of tissue back up and over and let them know what exactly what I did. Uh, not not to try to encourage them or sway their opinion, but, but certainly just to educate what we did surgically so that uh, might make a difference. Yeah, I think it does. I don't mm. know that there's any evidence or literature to support it, but I, it's my strong impression that surgeons who walk their specimens down have truer information to communicate with their patients and, than those of us who just kind of send it down to pathology. So again, we talked a lot about margins. You know, it, it's our nightmare. It's my, my nightmare to ever have a positive margin. I think that's why we do this surgery is to try to cure them of the disease. Some people look at positive margins as, eh, well, you know, it's okay, nothing's gonna happen. What are your thoughts on positive margins and how do you manage them post-operatively? And I, when I say a positive margin, I, I don't think just cutting across the tumor means a positive margin. I think that's just a bad surgery. But, you know, like if we just really have a, a microscopic or a small focus or, you know, one of those kind of pathological conundrums where you have, quote, a positive margin that you didn't necessarily think you had during surgery. What do you do with those patients? Yeah, I think we just did our most recent music uh, collaborative meeting on this topic. And so we had a pretty robust discussion, brought in a patient and his experience um, because I think there are some surgeons who don't feel that positive surgical ma margins matter. And I think while a positive surgical margin is not a death sentence and it does not equate to cancer recurrence, not 100% of patients with, with margins have recurrence, it does signify that patients are at an increased risk and certainly they're at increased anxiety. And so avoiding positive surgical margins is definitely important if only for that reason. But I agree the, you know, the, the most important concept is gross versus microscopic. So if you have a gross surgical margin, so you have suspicion you did not get all the cancer out, I think it's a necessity that you go and you take everything out. Um, and even if that means radical nephrectomy at the time, typically that doesn't have to be an urgent decision because you can complete your partial nephrectomy you can take deep margins, you can send that down to pathology and close up your defect and then base your decision for a radical based on what you hear back. Um, you can use an, even you know, send, take the whole specimen out and send the whole specimen down and then make a decision. So there are you know, there's surgical options for that, but gross surgical margins are problems. Uh, microscopic surgical margins, I think are a difficult situation because the majority of them, the patient will not recur the vast majority, 90% or more, when patients are subjected to radical nephrectomy, you know, completion nephrectomy afterwards, there's no cancer in the specimen. And so I, I don't think microscopic positive margins should lead to immediate action, but probably should lead to closer follow-up. I think many of our surgical practices, if you've done a, a partial nephrectomy and there's a negative margin, the patient may get followed by an APP or may get back to their primary care doc pretty soon. Um, I think positive margins kind of is inherent on us to do a couple imaging studies and, and keep a closer eye on those patients. Great uh, discussion. Good comments. Uh, Brian, is there a role for open surgery for partials anymore? Do you, do you do them? And is there any role for them that you can think of? 
it's rare across the music collaborative the last two years or so. There's been 4% of partial nephrectomies across the state that are open versus 96% MIS. There may be some that are still done laparoscopic rather than robotic, but that just might be a registry data entry error, or there still may be some providers who are doing them. Uh, So robotics is almost everything. The cases that I would do open are patients with significant CKD, where I really want to preserve parenchyma, uh, where I really want to minimize ischemic insult. Uh, Then you can use cold. Your ischemia time can be as long as possible. So, you know, multiple tumors, very large or deep tumor uh, with, you know, a, a segmental renal vein thrombus or something that would really, you know, complicate the need for not only renorophy, but closing the collecting system and maybe doing a vascular repair. Those would be situations that I would favor open. But again, for me, it's, it's very rare. Um, when I started in practice, I think I had maybe 25% of my cases were partial and that's really, uh, sorry, were open partials and that now is nearly 0%. Fantastic. ICG, are you a fan of endocyanin green and uh, how do you use it? Uh, when do you use it? Or is it something that's uh, uh, not necessarily used a lot anymore? I'm not a fan for uh, resection and for margin assessment. I had too many cases where it would bleed green everywhere uh, and I felt like the visibility was worse versus better. I do like it for segmental clamping. And so if I'm only, you know, if that's my plan, uh, and again, we kind of touched on it before, I'm probably a 5% off clamp person and maybe another 5% or 10% segmental clamping. Uh, usually it's clamping the whole kidney, uh, artery only and not vein, unless it's very deep. Uh, but when I do segmental, I like to clamp the segment, then give the ICG and confirm that there's no flow into the area of resection. If there is flow into the area of resection, then either uh, put another segmental artery on or clamp the whole artery. Okay. Do you ultrasound every single patient intraop? Is there, again, never say never, never say always. Yeah. I, 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 when do you ultrasound or is it just I become do, a routine part of your case? It's just a routine part of the case. I think that, you know, I was surprised mm-hmm. that some surgeons or surgical sites did not even have ultrasound equipment and people were doing partial nephrectomy. And I, I, I don't see that that's best care because I think some cases it's it's absolutely necessary. You know, I think the value of it is for assessing flow. And so you can use it at the beginning of the case to make sure there's only one artery in vein. If you can't really find the hilum well, even while there's fat and lymphatic tissue over the area, you can use that ultrasound to really identify where the artery and vein are. Also, you can do like a little test clamp with your progress and confirm that you've lost the the flow to the area. So there's a lot of good uses for ultrasound, looking at the remainder of the kidney in in cases where there might be some cysts or other complex cysts that are there. So yeah, for an exophytic tumor that you can see, it's, you know, you know what you're going to do. It's not like you really need it to mark the edges, Uh, but I do, I use it routinely. Maybe talk to the the listeners about uh, what's next for music. Um, what what kind of things are you looking at, or is it one of these things where you just get the data and then if someone has a question, you look at the data? Are, are you trying to parse out anything specifically for the future to to kind of give us an idea what what the next publication or what the next tidbit of information is going to be from your group? Yeah, you know, when we started down this road, my vision was to look at areas specifically that other centers could not 
or we're not looking at and not repeating topics that others have done. So again, off-clamp versus on-clamp partial nephrectomy, you know, partial versus radical nephrectomy, things that, you know, other sites could do or, you know, value of ischemia time. I was interested more, again, in the fact that we have multiple sites so we can look at practice level variation. And then probably more importantly is that we start our evaluation from the initial consultation, not from the surgery. And so all of the surgical registries are really compromised in many ways. Uh, one, they omit all the patients that went on active surveillance. And even those who didn't even go on active surveillance, whatever term we want to use for you know, less than active surveillance or reassurance or forgetting about the patient or whatever. And so we've, we certainly have learned a lot in that area, about 50% of our T1 masses, and that's not T1A, but T1 masses are treated non-interventionally. And so that's pretty astounding compared to what the literature would suggest. Uh, so that was kind of one of our first big steps. The other thing that we're starting to, to get into, and we sort of talked about it earlier with the positive surgical margin comment is there are things that don't routinely get recorded in clinic notes or operative notes that likely have significant impact on the course of a patient. And so tumor complexity you know, is, is one easy example. Not every physician records a renal score or some other measure of complexity, but it sure seems that those relate to cancer outcomes. So a tumor that is amenable to a standard partial nephrectomy versus that a surgeon feels would be a complex partial nephrectomy that complex partial nephrectomy probably has increased oncologic risk. It's going deeper. It has easier access to the microvasculature and, and therefore metastases. And so just that information alone carries some information that it would be neat to, to, to be able to report on. And then similarly, whether a surgeon views a case as a standard or a complex or not amenable to a partial nephrectomy, there's got to be a lot of variability in that. And what's not amenable to, you know, to one, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, and so getting a better sense on the spectrum of uh, tumors that any given surgeon or any given practice is performing partial nephrectomy on, I think, is another thing that we're looking at. And then I guess the other point I was going to make is we were talking about the positive surgical margins, but how about those other events, like when it's a cystic tumor and you spell the contents, and that doesn't seem to be desired to be reported in the operative note, but that sure could have a very significant impact uh, on oncologic outcomes. Similarly, if you cut into the tumor and recorrected your plane, those would be really nice data points to have so that we could see what the impact of that is. And hopefully within music kidney and templating, uh, we could get that information um, because that's, a, that's the stuff we need to know. But again, challenging in a documentation arena for what a surgeon's willing to have their app notes say. Over the last probably year or two years, I've seen a tremendous number of T3 pathology reports in my partials. Something that um, you know we try to estimate preoperatively. We look at the CT. Oh, is it pushing the fat? Is it encroaching the collecting system? Et cetera, et cetera. Any data that you can glean from the music where T3 is either increasing? I mean, are, are we just doing more partials? Are we pushing the envelope? Are we, are we getting more, uh, you know, uh, more bold uh, with our with our procedures? Why are we getting more T3s, or are we getting more? And that's just my uh, bias and my my patient population. This is a great lead-in question, and we did not 
planet. Uh, but our February uh, webinar, so our February collaborative-wide meeting for music, will be focusing on adjuvant therapy and discussion about current state of, of the art there and that some of our patients are likely good candidates for adjuvant pembrolizumab. Not necessarily all patients that are candidates need to receive it, but probably all candidates need a discussion. And so we actually just got our data, I think, this week that it looks like about 15% of our partial nephrectomies are T3A. And if we look at T1A partials, it's lower than T1A radicals. So that again probably speaks to if the surgeon felt a radical was necessary, there was more chance it was it had T3A disease. Similarly for T1B partials, it was lower than for T1B radicals and T1Bs were higher than T1As. So you know, nothing earth shattering in that data, but I think 15% is a good number to hang your hat on for T1 renal masses that are going to be T3A. And so, yeah, I agree. I don't know if the cancers are worse or if it's increasing use of active surveillance, increasing use of biopsy so that fewer of the partials that maybe didn't need to get done so that there's a little bit of a selection bias in terms of what you're seeing. But then I also think increased use of partial nephrectomy. So something maybe you would have done a radical on in the past, you're doing a partial. So uh, yeah, I think those are all at play. Great. Brian, I think we have time for one more question. Uh, I kind of like to end a lot of these um, uh, broadcasts on, you know, future directions. How do we make this procedure easier? How do we make less people doing radicals and more people doing partials? And what what are uh, any future visions that you might see for this procedure that that uh, we can expect coming down the road? It's a great question. You know, I think within music, our goal has always been to kind of raise all ships and to try to, you know, improve the care that all patients receive and uh, the care that each physician or surgeon is offering. You know, we look at variability as a strong indicator of where we can make changes. If everyone's doing the same thing, then probably there's not a, a lot of juice to be squeezed. But I, I think you're you're spot on. I think many practices, uh, certainly larger practices, have gotten to a point where there are some surgeons who will do the routine partials, and then the challenging partials go to partners or you know the one partner. And I think that's a great model. I think similarly in a smaller practice, uh, deciding you can do the majority of the partials that a patient may need, but not being unwilling to refer a challenging case uh, that you would offer a radical and someone else might offer a partial. I think some of our numbers speak to that well in the collaborative too, because I can understand at a smaller practice, you might not want to be giving away all your business, but it's the vast majority of the cases that are smaller tumors and, and straightforward partials. So it's not that many proportionately. So I think those are two areas practically where the field can get better, one, by you know acknowledging that everyone can improve, and two, to acknowledge that there's some cases that just are not uh, meant for every, every surgeon. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Lane, we appreciate your time and your, your insights are always very valuable. Keep up the great work on the Music Collaborative. It really is a, an incredible uh, initiative that you guys have done up there. And we look forward to seeing you at future meetings. And thank you so much for uh, donating your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Brad. It was, it was well worth it. On behalf of uh, Richard Wolf Medical, the Journal of Endourology and the Endourological Society, I thank you for listening today and hope you can tune into the next podcast. <laughs>